Well, brethren, I have a question for you. My question is this. What is your best feast of tabernacles? Some of you might also think of some years, maybe one or two of the feast, feast years. But for me, I would say that every feast of tabernacles is best because every feast has its own unique and special way of making it really special. But brethren, in two decades of keeping the feast, throughout those years, brethren, I have learned a lot. The best feast of tabernacles is never an accident. It's never an accident. If you're going to have the best feast ever, you have to work for it. It takes time. It takes energy and effort to make it the best feast ever. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen when you just wake up one morning and say, Oh, that was the best feast. No. It takes a lot of effort. So how can you have the best feast ever? How can you have the best feast ever? That's precisely what I want to share with you today. To help you better remember the points that I'm going to give you, I have created an acronym. The acronym is B-E-S-T. Best. That's why I entitled this message as How to Have the B-E-S-T Feast Ever. How to Have the Best Feast Ever. So, I will be giving you four points that you could uh, easily remember and I hope that you would apply this before, during, and of course, after the feast. So, let me give you the first principle, brethren. It starts with letter B. Be prepared. Be prepared. We all heard the saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Thankfully, brethren, you have already heard a lot of messages before about preparing so that we would have a very nice feast. I don't have to discuss all of them, but I just want to show you the importance of being prepared. Let's go to Matthew 25, verse 1 to 4. Matthew 25, verse 1 to 4. This is um, the parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Verse 2. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. This parable is directly addressed to the churches of Yahweh today. It's quite striking, brethren, to know that 50% of the ten virgins was not prepared. 50% is not, are, is not prepared for the coming of Yahshua. What was the difference, brethren? The answer lies in their level of preparedness. The wise prepared extra oil. The foolish didn't prepare the extra oil either. This shows us the great importance of being prepared. If you want to have the best feast ever, you must be prepared, and that preparation happens even after the Feast of Tabernacles. You might ask, oh, I will be prepared one month before the feast. Oh, I will be prepared perhaps one week off I go to do the Feast of Tabernacles. But brethren, did you know that the preparation for the feast happens after, right after the Feast of Tabernacles last year. 
Because brethren, at that time, it is another year of cycle of, of storing our second time. That's why brethren, if you have faithfully, faithfully um, set aside your second time, brethren, you could be, you could have more assurance that this would be a better feast for you. Because, to tell you honestly, brethren, it takes money. It needs money to have, to keep the feast. And if you have faithfully reserved your second tithe, brethren, I can tell you that you would have a better feast tabernacles. And because of that, brethren, your level of preparedness, it reminds you that all year long, day in, day out, month after month, you are looking forward to the Feast of Tabernacles because by, by setting aside your second tithe, tithe, you are already looking at the future. Not just the Feast of Tabernacles, brethren, but at the future Kingdom of Yahweh. So I hope, brethren, that we don't underestimate the need to be prepared. With that, brethren, to have the best feast ever, be prepared. Okay, for the next letter, letter E, that's enjoy. Enjoy. Let's go in Deuteronomy 16, verse 13 to 15. Deuteronomy 16, 13 to 15. Let me read. You could also read uh, on your Bible. Verse 13. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days. So this is talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. When you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your winepress. Verse 14. Take note. And you shall rejoice in your feast. You and your sons and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast of Yahweh, your God, in the place which Yahweh chooses, because Yahweh, your God, will bless you in all your produce, in all the work of your hands, so that you surely rejoice. So for you to have the best feast ever, brethren, you have to make it a point that you should rejoice. A lot of people think that Yahweh, our God, our Heavenly Father, is against, against having fun, enjoying life. They say, oh, I don't want to be a Christian. It's so boring. It's so dull, so tedious. Ay, mama, I will die of boredom in the church. Uh, you, you would say, ah, oh, there's just so many restrictions. It restricts my freedom. I just want to have fun. But brethren, we could see here, brethren, that God wants us to rejoice. And you could see here, brethren, in Deuteronomy 16, that one of the commandments of God is for us to rejoice. Brethren, this is not just a request, but this is a command. God wants us to rejoice. And this means that if you don't rejoice, the feast, you're breaking God's commandment. Of course, brethren, for some of us, or perhaps a lot of us, it's easy to rejoice. We have a, a very nice accommodation. We are surrounded by like-minded people, the brethren. We have a lot of food. We have fellowship. It's really nice. It's a, it's a very wonderful environment to rejoice. But for some of us, brethren, it's not always easy to rejoice. There's a lot of some people who have uh, ailments. Some people have financial problems. They have family problems. So it's not always easy to rejoice. And you know what, brethren? Satan will give us a thousand reasons to get sad. 
to get angry and frustrated. You see, brethren, there's a lot of things that could go wrong and make us sad and not really rejoice. We might say, us, ah, it's very small serving, the food is so little, it's not that delicious. So if you have the wrong attitude, brethren, it could easily spoil your happiness, your joy during the feast. And you know what, brethren? If you look into all these reasons, there are just small things. There's not really a good reason for us to not to rejoice during the feast. If you go back to Deuteronomy 16, verse 14, brethren, it says there, And you shall rejoice in your feast. Did you see any ifs there, brethren? It doesn't say, You shall rejoice in your feast if you are healthy. It didn't say, Rejoice in the feast if you have a lot of money. It didn't say, Rejoice if family with you. Rejoice in the feast if there's no pandemic. No, brethren. It just simply says, Rejoice in your feast. There's no ifs. You just have to simply choose to rejoice during that time. Because if you are going to wait until your life is perfect, well, brethren, I will tell you, in all honesty, you will never be happy. You will never rejoice in the feast. Because there is no such thing as a perfect feast. There's no such thing as a perfect life. God wants us to enjoy, to rejoice in the feast in spite of imperfection, in spite of the things that we may of the problems that we may experience during, before, or after the feast. That's why, brethren, we need to rejoice during the feast. And you know what, brethren? <clears throat> Going back again in verse 14, it says, And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, the strangers, and the fatherless, and the widow. It didn't say that you just focus on your happiness. It didn't say that, brethren. It didn't say that your main goal is to be happy in the feast and, do, and forget about other people. No, brethren. It says that everyone should be rejoicing. So that is point number two, letter E, enjoy. So don't forget that, brethren, so that you have the best feast ever. And letter S, I'm sure that you already know, letter S is serve. Serve. I have mentioned to you, brethren, that I have been keeping this feast for 20 years. And looking back, brethren, there's one life-changing decision that I believe that made a great difference between the best feast ever and the worst feast ever. You know what, brethren? What made that difference? The difference is served. The difference is served. You just have to realize, brethren, that if you just focus on yourself during the feast, you will not have an enjoyable time during that week. Never. Because if you are just self-centered, you are just saying, serve me, serve me, serve me, dude, give me this, give me that. Oh, I, I don't have this, I don't have that. If you are just poking, focusing on yourself, brethren, you will not be able to rejoice during the feast. Brethren, Let's read Matthew 20, verse 24 to 28. Matthew 20, verse 24 to 48. I mean 28. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. So this was the time when uh, there's two disciples who want to be sitting the left and right side of Yahshua. But Yahshua called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, 
and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. What a contradiction to how this world think about greatness. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. And then Yahshua gave us an example. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Brethren, only a few of us really realize this, but there's a great work that comes with holding the Feast of Tabernacles. When you go to the feast, that's already the finished product. When you see the things, the, the backdrop, the, the messages, the, the lighting, all those are just finished product already. You didn't see the work that goes behind it. From the messages to the giveaways, from the backdrop to the bulletin board, there are people who made those things possible. They spent countless hours preparing those things. They traveled to and fro buying things that needed to needed for the feast. They slept they slept at night, late at night just to finish recording, recording choir, editing videos, and planning each activity. You see, brethren, to lighten up their load, there's only one thing we can do. Let's serve. It's the least of the things that we can do. Let's do our part, brethren. Let's do something to really make this feast the best feast ever. You see, brethren, the success of the feast does not lie in the hands of the pastor, of the elder, of the leaders, of the admin. It lies in the hands of everyone who is participating in the feast. This feast will not be successful if you don't serve, if you don't participate. Because no matter how, how many activities we plan, if there's no one who's going to participate, it will be useless. That's why one way for you to serve is to also participate in the, in the activities, in the Bible study, in the games. You, brethren, choose to participate because that's the least that you can do. A lot of people have really spent time, their creativity, their mind, just to create, to prepare those activities. And actively look for ways to serve. And I can assure you, brethren, you will have the best feast ever. And finally, brethren, letter T, take in the word of God. Take in the word of God. You see, brethren, we have services every day of the feast. And there's a good reason why we do have. We do so. If you haven't really realized it yet, brethren, you receive more spiritual food during the Feast of Tabernacles than any other week of the year. Imagine, eight days, you receive spiritual food. During the feast, brethren, you accelerate your learning. You get a sudden boost of the spiritual charge. You obtain a spike in your spiritual gas. And during the feast, brethren, we should not waste the golden opportunity to take in the Word of God. Take down notes as much as possible. Don't waste the, don't waste the opportunity for you to listen to the messages. During the morning, brethren, before you go out of your bed, you need to pray, read your Bible, and meditate on God's Word. The feast gives us an extra time to be with Yahweh. Let's take advantage of this and make sure that we take in the Word of God. In Psalms 119 verse 11, brethren, Psalms 119 verse 11 says, Your Word I have hidden 
in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word hide here, brethren, can also mean to hoard, to store, to reserve, and to protect. The one who talks in the pulpit, brethren, the one, the speakers, they can talk all they want, they can expound all they want the word of God, they can tell you what it means, they can tell you, they can explain to you what, what the Feast of Tabernacles means. But if only those things will not get into your heart, brethren, it will be useless. We cannot force you. We cannot tell you that, oh, you have to take this in, you have to write down this, and then put it in your mind, in your heart. You should apply this. No, brethren, it is a decision that you have to make yourself. We cannot make that decision for you. It is up to you to hide the word of God in your heart. And those are the points, brethren, that I want you to remember. The B-E-S-T, B for be prepared, E for enjoy, S for serve, and T, take in the word of God. Brethren, we are going to once again keep the Feast of Tabernacles. A year of waiting is finally over. In just a little more than a day, the Feast of Tabernacles 2022 will be upon us. If you want to have the best feast ever, don't forget these four important points. With that said, brethren, my sincerest hope is at the end of the FOT 2022. When you finally return at your home, you can honestly tell yourself, it was the best feast ever.